0: Amen, amen. I'm going to sing that song when I get that. That is fantastic, yeah. We're going to sing them all. <laughs> if we're going to sing them all, that is so great. If we can have our young kids go downstairs, uh, Miss Kiki's got some awesome stuff for you. Well, that's just great. We kind of moved her a little bit more so you can see her beautiful face. Isn't it great? She's kind of facing us. She was off to the side. We're done with that stuff. So, Sandra, thank you. So this morning we're going to talk about learning to talk back to the devil. Last week we were talking about getting our lives and an understanding of how Christ sees us and how we're to see ourselves. And it turned into kind of an anointing service, which was pretty amazing um, last weekend. Um, by the way, our website we've been updating all the time. Make sure you're checking the website, TurningPointRockford.com, has our calendar. We've now added even podcasts to it. So I know people get the emails, but you can also listen to the sermons via the website too. So keep that in mind uh, when you're wondering uh, the events that are going on and everything. But it's TurningPointRockford.com. Um, real quick, turning your Bibles to James chapter 4. Verse 7, how many know you're in a battle? I know we don't like battles. Uh, we like to have it nice and quiet and we can play the harp. And, but as long as we're on this side of eternity, we're going to be facing battles. And it's an understanding that we engage the enemy and stand toe-to-toe with him so we can grab hold of the victory that God promised to us. James 4 verse 7 says this, Humble yourself before God. That would be the first thing, wouldn't you agree? I'm glad he put that. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want you to know that to resist the devil literally means to entangle. The Bible says for us that we wrestle. So when you resist the devil, you again are standing toe-to-toe with those things. Um, it's, it's so important for us to understand that, that we confront the devils that face our life. Um, R.T. Kindle wrote this. Imagine there's a meeting in hell. Millions of demons are present and the devil himself is working. Wait, before we say this, you've got to predicate that everyone's got to believe in angels and demons for this story to work, right? We all think that it's important. Imagine there's a meeting in hell. Millions of demons are present and the devil himself is working in the room. Suddenly you hear him mention your name. At first you are surprised and even a little afraid, but then you remember that some other names are known there too. The demon said to the imposter and Acts. 1915, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And suddenly you realize that your life has made a difference in the battle between good and evil. Every day we breathe in and out, thousands of times a day. There's a day fixed that unless Jesus comes first, you and I will only breathe out. No amount of money, power, or prestige can alter the date that we have with death. And that moment, the only thing that will matter is whether we have known Christ and served him well. That our lives have made a difference. In short, that we are popular in heaven and that we are famous in hell. Isn't that pretty amazing? He said in Acts that Jesus I know and Peter I know, but I have no idea you are. And that imposter tried doing the things that the apostles were doing. And let me submit this in your faith today and in your walk with Christ today. Spiritual warfare is not reserved for the prophets and pastors and teachers and apostles. It is reserved for every God-born, blood-bought son or daughter in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Today, if you are waiting for someone to pick your sword up, no one will pick your sword up for you. No one will. You can have people teach you. You can have people train you. But there comes a point where you have to put your confidence in faith, not in yourself, not in a loud voice, not in a way you prayed, but understanding that in and through the name of Christ that you and I have victory. Three things I want us to understand. We're going to go through the three B's, guys. Are you ready for this? The three B's are this. Boldly taking a stand. Turn to someone real quick and say, I need to be Bold. Boasting in the Lord, and you need to begin again. I think it's so important for us. When I was writing this out this week, this point one is going to be the longest point. I think it's important to boldly take a stand. Francis P- Frangipane wrote this In the kingdom of God, there are no great men, only humble men God has used greatly. And I think that's important for us to understand. In the kingdom of God, there are no great men, only humble men. God has used greatly. God wants to use you greatly to do great things for Him. Those who are are with you are far greater than those who are against you. I want to tell you that this week, this last week, was a real crazy battle for me. You know, when you start talking about spiritual warfare, the enemy kind of wakes up himself and he says, no, 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 we're not going to go down without a fight. This week was a crazy week. How many had a crazy week last week? Now... Sometimes your weeks are crazy and then other weeks they're really crazy. Well, this last week was a really crazy week for me. Lots of stuff was going on. And uh, for those of you who had some stuff going on, count it all joy. It's a great thing. You're on the right path. Because let me tell you something. If you don't have things crazy going on in your life... The devil doesn't have to even worry about you. There's a lot of people sleeping in their cells. There's a lot of people sitting on their hands not doing anything. And let me tell you something. The devil's not worried about that person. The devil's not concerned with that person. The devil is very concerned for the person that's going around being a watchman, getting involved with these, praying for things bigger than themselves, and God wants to use them. But I want to remind you today in your battle that those who are for you are far greater than those who are against you. You know, I go through the movie store. Anybody been through the movie stores before? We don't have those anymore. Everything's streaming now. But we'll go to the movie store because it's cheaper there sometimes. And we go through that family video place. What a hot mess in there it is. (laughs) I mean, you go through the movies and it's like, all right, kids, everyone keep your eyes down. down, down." Holy cow, look at that. We're going to go over here. Let's go. Where are your dumb cartoons at? You go through that place and let me tell you something. It seems like every... DVD that you look at in there is horror-related or thriller-related. It's just full of garbage, exorcism, all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you to take a bold stand today. If you want to take a bold stand today, let's start with this. Let me I'm going to get in your guys' grits now. You ready for this? Yeah. Why don't you stop buying the DVDs about all that filth and then bringing them in your home and say, I'm going to take a bold stand for Christ. And you're entertaining your mind with that crap. Oh, let me use the word that Paul said, dumb, but we don't want to go into the description of what dung means there. See, we can't take a bold stand for Christ when we're entertained by the very junk that's affecting our homes. Come on, you can eat it there. We can't take a bold stand for Christ when we're almost mocking the very things that Christ said don't even entertain these things. You want to take a bold stand for Christ? You're buying the junk and bringing it in your home and giving it to your kids. What are we doing? We want God to have victory in our homes. We want God to be honored. We want to make points of light, not darkness. And yet we're worshiping the stuff. And you know what's different now? You know, back in the 70s, you had The Exorcist, which was very popular. And what was interesting through The Exorcist, although it was a horrible film, do you know what it did? It awakened a whole population of people to realize that there was some other stuff going on. You and I want to take a bold stand? A bold stand is going to have to predicate on the fact that you know what you're even standing for. I can't stand for something I'm not standing for. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. When the angel of the Lord stood and and they were in fear, they're like, well, whose side are you on? The question isn't whose side is God on, is whose side are you on? I'm either for you nor against you. Steve, whose side are you going to be on? Let me tell you something what I want to be. I want to be on the right side. If I'm going to boldly take a stand today, I'm going to assess my home and my situation and my own heart, and I'm going to boldly say with confidence this, God, I want to have boldness. You know why we don't have boldness many times? It's not because God is not a present helping kind of trouble. It's not because His giftings and calling aren't available to us. It's not because He doesn't want to bless us and shower things on us. It's because we're slack back in fear because we're consumed by the stuff. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. He's not giving us that. And if you have a spirit of fear in your home and in your life right now, I challenge you to take some stock and looking at yourself and where you're placing your confidences and what you're watching and what you're doing and what you're listening to, and say, God, is my life being patterned in a boldness to uphold this junk? Amen. Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus understood this? Aren't you done with the pancakey talk in the, in the churches? Aren't you done with the cute little conversations about how we can just all just snuggle with snuggle bears? Don't we want to get into the real meat and potatoes? Don't we want to get into the meat and potatoes of the kingdom of God and what Jesus did and how he executed things and what he did and how he went through life? How he dealt with people and circumstances. How he dealt with the enemy. Jesus dealt with the enemy. And he confronted them face to face, just like you will. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Don't you love that? Forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. For before John came and all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to his present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophet said would come. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. The Bible declares that the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. Taking things by force. You don't have to ask the enemy for permission. You don't have to kick sand and say, devil... I was just wondering if you could just do a little bit here for me and maybe we can figure this out. You don't talk that way. You don't apologize for what's rightfully yours in the first place. I don't need to apologize for what's mine. Take it back. Maybe Mike will hit me later. Mike Roberts told me a story once when a guy was going down the street and he had taken his lawnmower. <laughs> Sorry, we're friends. We can do this. You can get me later. When you're not playing the guitar, just tell a story about me, all right? I'll, we'll trade. Um, he told me, he's like, Steve, you know what I did? I'm like, what did you do? Because this guy's walking with his lawnmower down the street. Just walking down the lawnmower. But, you know, they tell you in Rockford you want to close your garage door and don't leave it open. It's one of the flights of Rockford. This, this guy's moving. He's like, hey, that's my lawnmower. Give me my lawnmower back. He's like, it's not your lawnmower. He just took it back, right? It was pretty simple. Mike just took his lawnmower back. <laughs> See, what the devil's doing in our life is he's grabbing stuff from us that's rightfully ours. He's taking it. He's walking down the street with it. And the majority of people are sitting around going, like, wait, now, is that our lawnmower? <laughs> wait, I mean, it looks like ours. What should I do, honey? I mean, I don't know. It kind of does. I have to grasp where it was. <laughs> There's those stains there. What should we do, honey? Let's pray about it. <laughs> Let's sit and pray and ask if this is ours, Lord. And if the inside will, we'll go get the dumb lawnmower. Do you see what we've done in the church for this stuff that's ours? I don't need to pray about certain things, folks. I don't need to ask God if it be thy will about the stuff that he gave me. I don't need to pause. I don't need to hesitate. I don't need to slack back. I can go after it. That's right. Amen. To boldly take a stand is to understand, well, but you know what? It's been a bad week. And then we get into this this. Oh, I'm just not a good person this week, and maybe the lawnmower's being stolen because I didn't pray enough this week. How many go there? Come on, how many go there? You are a son and daughter of the Most High. That's your lawnmower. Those who are with you are far greater than those who are against you. We think about the ugly hordes of the enemy. And let me tell you something, he's really ugly. He does come in as an angel of light though, so the majority of the stuff we're dealing with is angel of light type stuff. We're not dealing, wouldn't it be easier if everything we looked at looked like this? The majority of the gray areas of life we deal with, we can't decipher. We need to ask God for discernment. And we need to say, God, help me to discern what to do. Because this kind of looks good. It's kind of appealing. How many of you know when Eve was tempted by the, the devil, he came as a beautiful serpent and proposed great ideas for you. Look what the mess it caused. The majority of our life will be beautiful ideas and suggestions that the enemy gives to us. And we buy into it. And then he's walking away with all the property from our home. The violent, take it by force, turn to someone and say, you better get mad. That's a good idea. You know, a lot of us are really mad at God. We say, God, why did you do this and why did you do that? And we point our fingers in the sky, maybe not physically, but we're saying in our heart and our mind, we're pointing at God and we're saying, man, God, I can't believe you allowed this to happen in my life. You allowed this. The enemy comes to steal Kill. and destroy what I have come that you have. Life, life to to its so you're gonna to have to figure out what you're getting mad at. You're gonna to to figure it out. You're gonna to have to figure out where you're gonna swing your fists, who you're gonna get in a fight with, because you can't get in a fight with Johnny. Jesus when he Peter had a great idea for Jesus. Jesus said, "Get me behind me, Satan." So he knew there was something going on behind him where. Peter was offering suggestions induced by the enemy trying to redirect him. You're going to have to figure out where your battle is. It's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your sister, it's not your uncle, it's not your teacher, it's not anyone. It's the devil. You're going to have to learn to fight and learn to fight the right people. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life. You see all that bad junk going on in this world? Let me give you real simple theology. We live in a fallen world because we have fallen sin natures. You see a big hurricane out there? Boy, Lord, oh. That was from the enemy. You see junk and murder and all this kind of stuff. Blame it on the devil once. I challenge you this week to blame all your problems on the devil. You will have a better week. You know why? Because you'll know how to fight. You'll have vision. You'll have boldness. You'll know exactly where to go after. Some of us are entangling ourselves with people and we're arguing with people and we're arguing with this and going after that. Man, if you could hone it in, if you could hone it in, and when you hear those things going on, you say, "All oh, this is just like the devil." Devil, you're a liar. Amen. Your boldness will change. I promise you, because you will know who and what to fight. How many of you know we fight with the wrong stuff, don't we? We fight with the wrong stuff. Husbands and wife, if you start seeing a wedge come between you and your marriage, realize that that wedge wasn't caused because he didn't put the toilet seat down, folks. I'm telling you. It came because the enemy came between you guys. Just know it. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Urban McManus wrote about rhinos. Don't you love those rhinos? I was at the zoo the other year. I love animals. I love animal shows. I love watching animal shows. I could watch them. I could watch Planet Earth twenty four hours a day. I fell asleep last night to watching Planet Earth. We saw this rhino at the zoo, and I don't know if it was a Kelsey or whoever, but all of a sudden this rhino started running towards us. Rhinos are big, and I didn't realize that they had in this right at this little exhibit because the wall was only this high. I'm like, boy, he's. He's not too far away. What am I doing standing here behind this little wall? But they did have a little gap down there, so I was like, okay, that's good. But he came at us, and I'm still like, ah! Like, don't run too fast. He might leap over that thing. Who knows? Maybe he's a jumping rhino I haven't seen before. Rhinos can run at 30 miles an hour, he writes, which is pretty fast when you consider how much weight they're pulling. They're actually faster than squirrels who can run 26 miles an hour. How many of those dumb squirrels? I try shooting them. I call them suburban rats Taking my bird feeders out Just one problem with this phenomenon (coughs) Rhinos can only see 30 feet in front of them Can you imagine something that large Moving in concert as a group Plowing ahead at 30 miles an hour With no idea what's after at 31 feet You would think that they would be far too timid To pick up full steam That their inability to see far enough ahead Would paralyze them to immobility But with that horn pointing away, rhinos run full steam ahead without apprehension. Rhinos moving together at full speed are known as a crash. Even when they're just hanging around enjoying the watershed, they're called a crash because of their potential. He goes on to write about the church, folks. We're like rhinos. Let me tell you something. God calls you and I champions in Him. When God sees you, He doesn't see you as a little weakling. He doesn't see you as someone with no potential. Christ said, I have a bright future for you. You're going to do great things for me. You're going to leap over a wall and run through a troop. That's what God declares for you and I. So when we see ourselves as rhinos today, we say, well, man, I don't know about the future. What's going to happen here and what's going to happen there? I don't see too far ahead. So what? You don't need to see too far ahead. You only need to see those steps right in front of you. All God's asking you and I to do is pick up the sword and start to fight with him. Who's willing to fight with the enemy? We in the church, were like a crash. We're an unstoppable force, the Bible tells us. Do you know where where God declares where the enemy is placed under the church? Under us, with our foot on his neck. Not above us. And even for some of us now, we're contemplating, really? Is that really like... Now, when you read the book of Acts, it gets pretty exciting, doesn't it? Where you see the apostles when they would go into cities and territories controlled by principalities and powers and they would start to fight and entangle them. We in the church are a crash and unstoppable force. But let me tell you something with the battles that you face right now. And this is what will destroy your confidence in the Lord. Don't look too far ahead in the battles that you face. What do I mean by that is some of us are already putting out our conditions for how the battle is to be laid out and how it's to be done. And so we start looking at it and we go, well, wait a second. What's going to happen five months from now, five weeks from now? If you don't have those answers, can I give you an assuring position of faith that you can have? You don't need those answers. Because you're confident that the Lord is with you, that He never leaves you and never forsakes you, and that He is as close as the mention of His name, and when you need to make a turn, God will tell you and I when to turn. Can we trust that? It's beautiful and some of you in faith right now, we're going through that right now where you're like, where do I need to turn? God, what do I need to turn? As opposed to fretting about that, just trust that God has given you steps. He's ordered your steps and as you battle confidently, you might only see 30 feet ahead but that's the only 30 feet you need. When you battle, that's all you need. You know, because when we get into battle, we look at all the other stuff we start to entangle those things and what ifs over here. And we, we actually start driving in more opponents that we didn't even need to be fighting in the first place. Don't fight all your battles at once. Take one at a time. How do you want to fight just one battle at a time? We got battles on many fronts. And there's many theaters. And you think about World War II. And they would have theaters. And they would have these places of, of interest in, that were important. And they would focus all their attention on that. Folks, let me tell you something. Focus all your attention on just that right now, the 30 feet. Right. But let me tell you something, what you are, you are a rhino. That's right. Amen. Amen. You're a rhino. You're a rhino. Don't try to look too far ahead in your battles. Don't worry about it. You say, Well, how is this going to work out? How is that going to work out? Maybe in your finances, the battle right now, the enemy's trying to destroy things in your life and take things from you. You say, Lord, I don't know how this. You know, it's funny when I start looking at the metrics, I'm 42 years old, and you start to plan out what you're supposed to have right now. How many have exactly what that financial planner has told you you need right now? <laughs> well, I guess I'm a failure then. Right? Guess you're a failure. Well, we forget about the spiritual advisor financial advisor that says that he provides for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. What must start to crash the things inside of us if we're going to be a rhino? Let me tell you what's going to start to crash and it's going to make everyone feel uncomfortable because every one of us enjoys status quo. There's not a person in this place that doesn't not like status quo. You know why status quo? We like status quo because it's the same... We even like the junk because at least with the status quo, we can anticipate the status quo. If your status quo is junk and that's all your expectation is, you're like, well, I didn't expect anymore. I'm not let down today. I'm not, you know, I don't have to worry about anything. I have actually no expectations in what I'm dealing with with life. So this is perfect status quo. (laughs) That's how we did. So it's going to start to crash the status quo. The status quo, here's what the Lord will start to do. The status quo that the Lord will go after, it transcends the softness of stained religious formulation. It's society's expectation that the religious community provide either entertainment or dead traditionalism. The upheaval is not caused by political provocation or armed advance. It is the result of God's order shaking relationships, households, cities, And nations, by the entry of the Holy Spirit's power, working in people. See, the church is not at all offended by a church of God doing dead traditionalism, doing little cute little entertainment for people, doing cute little things. You can do cute little things, but it's interesting when you start to go into the power gifts and displaying that there is no name under heaven by which you must be saved, which is Jesus Christ, then people get offended. The Bible says that the cross is an offense to the world. Church is not an offense to the world. The cross is, though. What is God going to stir? You know, when Jesus came, He goes, "I didn't. I, I came to bring the sword." What is He talking about, man? He said, "I came to separate." You know, families, and, and we're like, "Well, wait a minute, Jesus. Where's this peace-loving Jesus?" Yes, but when you start to follow Christ, people start to take their places, don't they? People start to go, wait a minute, what are you talking about? How many of you, when you started walking in the power of Christ, people at work and maybe some of your old friends started going, what the heck's going on in that person's life? Start to judge you, start to condemn you because the name of Christ is cursed in the world. Joshua, let's turn there. He's going to crash the status quo. While you're turning to Joshua chapter 7, turn to someone real quick and say, He's messing up your status quo. We're going to AI. AI defeats the Israelites. Joshua 7, verse 4, let's start there. It says, so approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. And the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. And Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. In verse 7, Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemy? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen? In honor of your great name. And I love this because the Lord didn't take that from Joshua. Joshua was complaining. Joshua was whining. Anybody done that before? See, we want God to make us feel bad and get his healing salve out. He gets it out, I'll tell you. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up! Why are you lying on your face like this? Didn't that sound great and religious that Joshua did that? So religious, the religious penitence and fasting and prayer. And, oh, Lordest, get up! You think I was the one that causes defeat? And Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things that I've commanded must be set apart for me. And they've not only stolen them, but they've lied about it and hidden things among their own belongings. And that is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel as itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up and command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. Do you want to talk about taking a bold stand and affecting the status quo in your life? You know, many times you say, God, why am I experiencing such horrible pain and suffering and all these kinds of things? Folks, one of the things that I suggest all of us do is take a stock and in an inventory of our life and start to look at things and start to destroy the things that we know are in direct opposition to God. And everybody has to figure out and work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. I had one one guy I used to work with. His wife was so upset because of what was going through the TV. You know what she did? She took the TV out on the front porch and she took a hammer to the TV. Came home and he was wondering where the TV was. And she said, it's out on the front step. You can watch it. She was tired of the garbage that came through. When do you just get tired of the status quo? When do I get tired of the status quo? When do we start to awaken ourselves up? And he's like, someone not only has taken what I told them not to take, but they're actually hiding these things. They're storing them under their beds. And you know, one of the things that we've taught our kids is, with stuff that's in direct opposition to God, don't give it away. Don't sell it in a garage sale. Don't give it. Don't give that sin to someone else to enjoy. Destroy the junk. I don't care how expensive grandma's tiki idol from Hawaii was. Get rid of the dumb thing. Oh, but this was so precious and this is oh this was so beautiful. I'm gonna sell it on you. Why would you give that to someone else to enjoy and bring that junk in your house? Destroy it. Get up and tell the people to purify themselves. I challenge all of us in America with all the idols that we worship and all the idols that we place above God and all the things we place above God. You might have to throw some things down. You might have to reformulate your life. You might have to reformulate your job. Many people don't even go to church anymore because the job gets in the way Well, You might have to change your career. You might have to change how you do sports. And all these different things that we've created busyness, and we say, God, why can't I get any joy? Why can't I go over it? You have made your life too busy to even focus on what God wants to do in and through you. Not too many amens in here today. What do you need to get rid of? I don't know. But I will tell you this. The Holy Spirit will tell you. If you open yourself to it, many people might come here, and they'll go away going, man, that was silly stuff. They don't even open to receive anything from God has. But I tell you, if you get to a place where you're like, God, is there anything that's offensive to you in my heart, in my life? Is there anything in my home? God, I want to get rid of it. And you know, we look for obvious signs. But you know what? There's really subtle things that God asks us to get rid of. And I told you last week that, that cup, that mug that I had up on my, on my office desk a few weeks ago, and the Lord just kind of prompted me, Steve, just get rid of it. Nothing bad happened to it. It wasn't done in some crazy ceremony. It just represented something at that point where the Lord said, Steve, I just want you to throw away. I didn't sit there and argue with God. I didn't say, boy, this is silly. What? I just said, okay, God. And you know what? The more you do that with God and the more you listen to his voice and you don't argue with him and wrestle and reason with him, the more you do it, you know, God's going to be speaking more and more because he can trust you with his voice. Amen. Amen. Judges 6. Let's turn real quick to Judges 6:33 and I believe what starts to happen as we are bold again in our display with Christ and bold upon his word and standing upon it. Judges chapter 6 verse 33. Remember Gideon? Gideon said I'm the least of the tribe. The Lord came, he said, "You mighty man of valor." Gideon looks around saying, "Who the heck is he talking about? Mighty man of valor?" I am the weakest in my tribe. I'm the least of my tribe. I'm the least of my clan. You cannot be talking to me. And I want this to be an encouragement for all of us as we take a bold stand to say, God is declaring to you and I, you mighty man and woman of valor, stand and be count- accounted for. Amen. Judges chapter 6, 33 and 34, Gideon asks for a sign. How many of you know sometimes we just need a good sign? Right. Nothing wrong with asking for that, by the way. God, show me, what should I do? How, how, how should I do this? God wants to speak to you and display his ways to you. Judges, chapter 6, 33 and 34. Soon afterwards, the army of Midian and Amalek and the people of East formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the Valley of Jezreel. I love this part in verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms and the men of the club of Abiezer came to him. I love that. It said that the Lord clothed Gideon. In other words, if you really look at it, the Lord possessed Gideon. See, we talk about demon possession and someone being possessed. And, you know, Jesus ministered to the guy in the cemetery and he was cutting himself and he was in chains. And no one could do anything with him. But you know what's even more powerful? in someone being possessed by the enemy as someone possessed and on fire for Jesus Christ. Being clothed with God. See, God's given you and I a robe of righteousness. So we are righteous because God calls us righteous. Not because of our works. Not because we prayed 62 times last week. You might have fallen flat on your face last week. You're a mighty man of valor. Let me tell you something. God did the same thing to Gideon as he's done in many men and women of faith. How about the Elijah's? Elijah was one of the last left. In fact, all the prophets that were sitting at the table, Jezebel had taken them all out. And Elijah said, we are going to have a meeting. Bring you Baal worshiping prophets up here. We're going to see who's bigger and better. Don't you love that when he commanded attention and he said, we're going to have a little call to faith and say, who's God is bigger? Let me tell you something. Your God is bigger than the boogeyman in your life. I say that very... I don't mean the boogeyman. You know what I mean by the boogeyman. He is bigger than every ugly thing that you face. He clothed Elijah. He clothed Moses. He clothed Gideon. He clothed Samson. I love Esther, who is clothed with the Spirit of God As she walked in to minister to the king, he could have taken her death because she was unannounced and not brought in. And when she brought in there to give the word of the Lord, God clothed her. I want to tell you something. When you go into places and situations unannounced, understand this, that God is clothing you with his spirit. When you walk in and stand in behalf of your children, maybe your children are rebellious. Maybe your children are facing fears and dealing with things. Maybe when you stand in their room when they don't know it. I love it because you know what? When the kids maybe are not in their, in their bedroom or wherever, Anne will pray at different seasons. She'll go in there and pray in their rooms. It's a beautiful thing. I challenge you, moms and dads. Sneak into your kids' room because your kids may be going through something. Put your hand on their pillow and say, God, give them dreams and visions. Bless them. Speak prophetically to their life. Give them a call. You have tools and weapons. Husbands and wives, once again. As opposed to figuring it out and trying to read more books on the thing you already know everything about. How about you do something that you've forgotten and it's the power of prayer where two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in their midst. When's the last time you've been praying with your spouse? And said, God, I will set up my rampart. I will set up on the tower. And I will wait to see. I will keep my eyes open for where my help comes from. When's the last time we've done that? We want change. We want boldness. How many want to be bold in this place? Folks, I need boldness. I need boldness. I need boldness. My little type A personality doesn't work on Sunday night when it's really dark out and I'm getting my trash. I need boldness like the next person. What about David and his mighty men? How about Peter speaking boldly once he was filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, we're not drunk as you suppose. You say with boldness, what do I do? Ask God to clothe you today and anoint you to do the work that he's called you to do. And your work might be more of the same thing. We think, well, God anoint me to do my work. Well, I need new work. I need different work. I don't like my work. you got to finish the work you got in front of you. And the work, it might be years. It might be months. I don't know what the time frame is for the work in front of you and what you have to do. But as God unfolds himself, as you like a rhino press forward, God will clothe you. He will anoint you to do the task that you have to do that no one else notices. Daniel 11.32, don't turn there, but write it down. And as you boldly understand this, but the people that know their God, they shall be strong, and they will do great exploits. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And as we know our God, Let me tell you something what no is. This is what the Pharisees didn't have. The secret ingredient they were missing was the presence of God. One thing I prayed, I'm like, Lord, go before us today. When I was praying this morning, like, go before us in church today. God, I pray that this church, this body of believers would be people anticipating something that you would do differently. That we would destroy the status quo because of the faith that you've placed in us to want more than what we had last week. I am not content... With last week. You're not content with last week. It's a fresh bread idea. It's an anointing that God gives to us to stand and be bold. That word to know. Those who know their God will do great exploits means to experience. Folks, you can read this Bible from beginning to end and in between. You can show up at every Bible study, at every meeting, at every prayer rally, whatever you want to have. But if you don't know God, you will not do great exploits. And that word to know means this: is to experience God. We kind of treat God like People Magazine, and we we'll talk about like Hollywood people. Well, I know that actress or that actor. I know they do this, and they're married to this, and they have these kids, and they're these four movies. That's knowing someone, but you haven't experienced that person. We can go through today and say about all God did. Can I just remind you that that God you're reading about is the same God yesterday, today, and forever? And that He wants to work and do great exploits in your life and my life? Psalm 44, 5. Let's turn there. I do want us to turn there. Psalm 44, verse 5. See, I'm still on point one. O God, we have heard with our own ears, our ancestors have told us of all you did in their day and days long ago. You drove out the pagan nations by your power and gave the land to our ancestors. You crushed their enemies and set our ancestors free. They did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not with their strong arm that gave them victory. It was your right hand and strong arm. And the blinding light from your face that helped them, for you loved them. You are my king and my God. You command victories for Israel. Folks, your victory isn't going to come because you prayed the right way every weekend. Let me tell you that. Your victory comes by God's right hand, by his light shining in your situation. Say, God, work in and through me, God, the broken vessel. And that's how we get our victory. One of the things we need to understand, too, is that the enemy will come in like a flood. How many have had the enemy come in like a flood in your life? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard against him. God will clothe you as you humbly take your position. You say, what do I do this week after I've heard this message? A little exercise I want you to do this week. If you're not currently praying with someone in your home, start to pray with someone in your home. Grab your dog. Grab your cat. Do someone. Don't do the squirrel. (laughs) No squirrels. They're imposters. But grab someone that you can agree with. Young person, grab your mom, grab your dad, grab your brother, grab your sister. You get my idea. Spouse, if you're not into that, let me tell you something. The first couple of times you do it, if you haven't done it in a while, you, first of all, wives, they will drop their jaw husbands if you haven't been doing it. They will go, What? What are you doing? They will think that at least. But if you haven't been doing it and you want to start doing it, grab your spouse's hand and pray together. And it might be a simple prayer. Some of you practice this already, I know. Some of you practice this already. Don't pray, you know, fix this person or that person. Say, God, bless them. Work in their life. Do an amazing thing. God, bless this whole. Start there. Bless this house. Amen. You know, you see in all the Marshalls and TJ Maxx and all those places, those little blessing signs. Let me tell you something. The blessing of God doesn't come because you have the old, rustic, bless this house sign on your house. It comes because you carry the blessing into your house. Amen. Bless your children. Speak over them. What do you mean by speaking over your children? In the Old Testament, The fathers would pronounce blessings over their kids. And I challenge you to speak over your kids. And and it doesn't have to be a religious ceremony kind of thing. When you're walking down, just tell them that you love them and you just love to see God working in their life and that you're a blessing to me. Let your children hear that. Let me tell you something. Your children have many voices in their head this week. Whether it be from forms of the Internet... Television, school, the teachers, whatever it be, they're getting voices. And make sure that your voice through God is a lot louder than all those other voices. And I promise you this, let me give you a guarantee. Everyone say, what's the guarantee? If you're doing this according to the Spirit of Christ, the staleness of Christian faith that you may have been experiencing will go away. And you'll be revived. And that's a huge thing. I didn't get an amen there. You'll wake up to things and you'll start to hear God's voice more. Second thing is this, boasting in the Lord. I want to finish with this point. We'll go to point three next week because we're going to be doing this more in next week. Number two is boasting in the Lord. Boasting is this. It means excessively proud and self-satisfied talk about one's achievements, possessions, or ability. How many of you know we got a lot of that in social media? We're proud of ourselves and our accomplishments and our abilities. We flaunt it. We tell the world about how much we've got and how much money we have and all the influence. But you know what? Boasting. Paul says if you're going to boast, if you're going to boast, boast in one thing. Boast in the Lord. So when we boast in the Lord, we are excessively proud of God and his accomplishments, and his working. We are excessively proud of the heritage that we have in Christ. Folks, I want to tell you, I am so thankful that I'm on God's side. (laughs) I am so thankful that God has my back. I am so thankful for his grace. I am so thankful for his support and his love, that he showers blessings over me, that he dances over me. I am so thankful for God because he loved me, he died for me. Some of us today have been excessively boasting about the bad things going on. Man, it's horrible. No one's had as horrible a time as me. This is just so bad. This is horrible, and this is what's going on. And we're we're literally elevating the jump over God. And when a champion of faith decides, I'm going to boast in God in spite of the odds. I'm going to boast in the confidence. That yes, just like Rod said this morning, his promises are yes and amen. His promises are good. His promises are true. And I can stand upon these things. God loves, by the way, I love what John Piper says. God loves a heart that boasts in the Lord. He loves a heart that gives him credit for what he alone can do. How many of you have had some things in your life happen where God did it for you and only he alone did it? Amen. Amen. He loves a heart that relies on his power. He loves a heart that wants Him to get glory in all the things that He wants the power of His Son to shine in our weakness. Folks, strengthen yourself in God. Do you know the job that you have? You want to say, well, where do I start boasting God? Start boasting in God with the job you had. You didn't get that because of your brains. You got that because God gave you those brains and hooked you up. You didn't do that on your own strength. Where do you think your breath came from? We're so proud and arrogant in America. We're all self-made. Let me tell you something. We are God-made. And if it weren't for God, we wouldn't have any of this. God loves a heart that gives Him glory in all things. And even when things are bad, He loves it when we lift up to Him and say, God, yes, it might be bad, but let me tell you something. Behind those clouds, God is a great, great Son that's coming. Boast in the Lord. Turn to someone and say, start boasting in the Lord. Let me tell you something, you start declaring and speaking to the, de- the demons who try to fill you with fear. And I want to remind you that God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love and power and a sound mind. Folks, I long for a sound mind. There have been times in my life where my mind has gone all cattily wampus. Anybody been there? You're just thinking about this and thinking about that and you are worried. And Man, there are seasons man, where I was afraid of dying over this and dying this crazy stuff, guys. And we always want to say, well, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did this come from? It just come from the devil. We want to establish kind of a pinpoint. I don't know where those fears came from for me personally. I really don't. I would be introspective. I would do this and I would do that. And sometimes it's just consuming. And it came from nowhere. All I know is when the enemy attacks, like what he did with Jesus, he attacked him in the wilderness. And there's another verse of Scripture that declares, and Satan went away, and he was going to wait for a more opportune time. I don't know what your opportune time is and mine is, but I know about the mind games that you played with me, and the only thing that helps me in my mind is, you know what, it's not, you know, because then what we start to do is do these mental exercises. I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to think about this. I don't mean, know you may think about it 40 more times. We're all guilty of it. All I've known how to do with dealing with my own anxieties, and they've been major, is I had to replace those thoughts with other thoughts. I had to develop another habit and say, once that starts going, I had to insert another thought. Because what good is it, the Bible declares, if you got this clean, perfect house, but it's empty, the, the enemy comes back and he realizes that this house is empty and he refills it up again and it's worse than it was. I have to fill my clean house with the things of God. In my house, my mind, my heart, the temple that God has blessed me with, I have to fill it with the things of God and realize that God has not given me a spirit of fear. This fear is not from God. This problem, this thought, is not every thought that enters Steve head is from the devil. I've said it over and over again, but I'm from the Lord. And we have to ascribe that and understand what's going on. Begin again. Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. Anybody failed in here before? And over and over again we fall. And we stumble. But thank God for His grace. The Bible says it's not if you're going to sin, it's when you sin. And the Bible says if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. So we begin again. I've read this article from Josh Squires. There was a documentary about an army mountain warfare school. This documentary claims that it's the toughest school in all the military. It was the winter session of which contained unbelievable trials and physical and emotional that seemed to assail the students from the time they arrived. But the event with the highest dropout rate was a multi-day hike up a snow-packed mountain It required traversing the whole mountain from bottom to top through over 10 feet of snow drifts with a large heavy rucksack slung on their back with no special equipment. They had their feet in sheer determination. On the morning of the infamous march, a drill instructor spoke to soldiers. I expected it to be something full of bombast and bluster, urging the group to complete the task at hand or face swift retribution. Instead, the wise soldier simply said, if you want to quit, look at the top of the mountain. He went on, but if you want to make it through, then just find the closest tree. And tell yourself, I'm going to make it to the next tree, and then reevaluate. And then when you get to that tree, do the same thing again. Finding the next closest tree. And if you do that tree by tree, soon enough, you'll find the top of the mountain. Folks, I want to tell you today when you stumble and when you fall, which you will in ten foot snow. And when you're stumbling forward, here's what I love about the believers. We're not stumbling backwards, we're stumbling forward. Do you know what you're doing when you stumble? You're stumbling into the hands of God. When our children have stumbled and fall and they come inside and they've got scrapes and bruises on their knees, we don't ask them for a full documentary on how and why this happened and how we can make this a little bit safer for you. We rush to get the band-aids and get it taken care of for them and we provide healing for them. I want to tell you today, as you stumble ahead, many of us have said, man, I I haven't made it to the top of the mountain yet. I want to tell you that there's a tree right in front of you. Get your eyes on the tree. Get to the tree. Go up there. You might have stumbled and grappled with it, but you've got a victory. Get to the next tree. Who cares about the top of the mountain? And I love what he said. He said, if you look at the top of the mountain... You will fail. Because we look at people, and we look at events, and we figure our strategies out, and we say, how am I getting to the top of that mountain? Let me tell you something, folks. With the battles we face, it almost is overwhelming if we do it that way. But you know what's beautiful? Step by step by step. As we stumble, and as we move into the graces of God, and realize that, man, isn't it beautiful? God said, I didn't come for the well people. I came for the sick. When we realize that we're sick and we're needing God in these areas of our life, it's a beautiful thing because He can bless us, He can heal us, He can make us whole, and now we're on to the next tree. Let me tell you something. This is where I will tell you to hug a tree. Go hug a tree this week. When you get to that tree, grab onto it and celebrate. Say, God, thank you for your grace. Give me this one. And go on to the next one. Step by step. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Today, many of us, we've looked at mountains in our life and we said, there's no way I'm making it to the top. Today, many of us have slacked back for fear and the enemy is walking away with our lawnmowers. And then we contemplate, well, maybe it's not ours. Many today here haven't prayed with their loved ones in a long time, maybe, And I want to pro- give a promise to you today that as you do this, as you practice, 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 practice. You will hear God's voice. And all the roaring and all the voices in your head, all the anxieties, theories, th- theories and doubts, will dissipate as you hear the voice of God as you climb your mountain. Today, first and foremost, today you don't know God you don't have a relationship with Him you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior you haven't called Him King and Lord you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I know maybe you've had the religious status quo but you have never invited Christ into your heart and today you want to do that, you long for that relationship even in the small group here I want to leave that call open. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please raise your hand? Next thing is this. Maybe God's calling you to a new awareness. Maybe God's speaking to you right now in the battle in the place that you're facing. you just don't see victory, but today you realize that God is wanting to clothe you, to possess you, so that you may get victory. And all it takes is a little boy, like a David, to grab that smooth, small stone, and with the working of the Spirit, take down the giant. Today, God wants to use you and make you his champion. Today, you say, you know what, I'm standing for some of those things in my life right now. And right now I'm choosing to come into agreement with that. And I'm going to be bold and confident in the things of God for my life as God shows me how. And right now I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to grab hold of the tree. And then keep walking and grab hold of the next nearest tree and keep walking if that's you today. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank 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 you. Those of you who raised your hands, I pray this over you. In fact, dear ones, today, with a spirit of boldness, those of you who raised your hand, please stand. I want to commission you today and say that God is calling me and God is clothing me. For the battles that I'm facing, I want to declare to you that they are already won in and through the name of Jesus Christ. That God defeated all the principalities and powers. It's yours. That's your lawnmower, loved one. It's your stuff that God gave you. And I declare today for all of those who have stood today and said, "I want God to fill me with boldness and clothe me." Well, this isn't about you being in a wrong or right spot before. You were in the right spot. God's going to use you to break through in victory as you bless and speak forth life and not death, blessing and not cursing, and you go get your lawnmower. Today I declare over you freedom to smile again and oppose the enemy through the joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That you oppose the enemy with a smile on your face. And you stand guard. And you will hear the voice of God. And when you go the 30 feet forward, you'll be able to go to the next foot. As you charge forward. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. you For making me bold. bold. Bold Bold as a lion. Thank you God that I have victory and what I am facing. I am not defeated. I am a champion because you call me a champion. I am your son. I am your daughter. I am blessed because I am a believer. You fill me with your Holy Spirit. Clothe me so that I would know That you are with me. I trust you God. In this battle. In Jesus name. And today now. I rebuke the enemy. By the blood of Jesus Christ. That no weapon formed. Against me. Or my family. Will ever prosper. The enemy will be confused confused. and destroyed Destroyed. through Jesus Christ. Christ. Because greater is He he that is is in me than he that is in the world. We're not going to have a dropout right here, are we? Because God loves dropouts. God loves the weakest person who is completely reliant upon him. I love what that one person said, give me 12 people who are completely sold out to God and I will turn the whole world upside down. And that's what Jesus did. These uneducated men who knew Christ literally turn the world upside down and i think we've got more than 12 here today and i think we've got a lot of neighborhoods to turn upside down we've got a lot of homes to turn upside down we've got a lot of schools to turn upside down we've got a lot of lawnmowers that we have to go get like so i love you guys so much have a wonderful wonderful week don't forget by the way to sign up for the um green hippo and it's gonna be a great, great time. We love you. Oh, one more important thing, the work day Saturday. I was sending out some texts to some of you this week too. I want to encourage, we don't want to have it be uh, we want young people here too. We want retired folks, but we want people that are far from retirement here too. So <laughs> me and Rob were talking about that. He said at one of the churches he used to go to, they'd have church work day and they set it up in such a time to where only the Retired folk were there. He said we had like an 85-year-old guy up on a ladder. We don't want that here on Saturday. So if you can come out, give us some help. There is painting at every level. There is cleaning at every level. So we're not going to hand you a bunch of bricks and make you be a bricklayer on Saturday. So, But we love you so much, and it's going to be a great day Saturday. God bless you.